And uh, this is part three of our series, Victorious. How many people have been enjoying it so far? Yeah, we've got some great series coming up. I can't wait. Uh, our next series after this is called Be Rich. Everyone's like, woohoo, yeah, I love that series. And then after that, we're going to do a series called Guardrails. And, it's, and I just really believe that God's taking us on a journey um, as we've come out of COVID and we've come out of lockdown and all that sort of stuff, that God's taking us on a journey towards something that he has planned for us. And I just believe that as we step into this new season that God has for us individually and as a church, that faith is the key component in all that we're going to do. And, and we understand, if you've been around the last two weeks, that the scripture that we've been talking about or, or been launching this series off has been 1 John 5, 4, which says, you see, every child of God overcomes the world. For our faith is the victorious power that triumphs over the world. Do you know that word overcome means to conquer, to subdue? It's not a, it's, sometimes I think we read the scripture and we go, for all who are called by God, overcome the world. Ah, da, 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 da. That's nice. But this word overcome means, it means to conquer, it means to subdue what the world, no, the system of the world, the thinking of the world, the values of the world, the morals of the world, that God has put inside of us the ability to withstand and overcome and to subdue and to conquer those thought processes and those attitudes so that we can step into this victorious life that God has for us. Okay, someone's excited this morning. It, it's really saying this, is that God has given you what you need to overcome every circumstance and every situation. And it's not just overcoming as in, I got through that and I got to the other side by the skin of my teeth, but it's, a, it's an overcoming, conquering, subduing type of faith that God has given us. So what is faith? Well, we've discovered that as we've gone along, that 2 Corinthians 4.13 kind of points out what faith is, that that since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believe and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore we speak. So as we've gone through this series, we've discovered that faith is actually believing and speaking what God says about you that you say about you. And it's not just saying it, but it's believing it, yeah? That our believing drives our speaking. If you want to know what it is that you believe about yourself or believe about your kids or believe about your marriage or believe about your finances or believe about your physical health, just listen to what you are saying because your believing drives your speaking. And what God is saying is that faith is aligning that belief with what he says about you, believing it and then declaring it. And in Mark, we kind of covered this a little bit last week and I I'm going to go through this again, and then we're going to launch into what I really feel that God is saying to us. But in Mark, we have the story of Jesus in a fig tree, and it says this in, in verse 12. It says, now the next day when they had come out of Bethany, he was hungry. That's Jesus was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see it, if perhaps he could find something on it. Because basically, if a fig tree is leafy, usually it has figs on it. You'd have to be pretty darn hungry to want to eat figs, but anyway. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. That seems 
Fair enough that there's no figs there. In his response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from this tree ever again. And his disciples heard it. Now we jump down to verse 20, which is the next day. And it says, in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from its roots. Remember, Jesus just cursed it the day before. It had leaves on it, so it looked like it should be producing fruit, but it wasn't producing fruit, but it wasn't actually the season for it to produce fruit. Seems unfair that God would then curse the thing when it's not producing fruit, when it's not meant to produce fruit. But I think that there's a story in here, which is for another message, that it looked the part, but it wasn't playing the role. There's a lot of leafy Christians around that aren't necessarily producing what they look like they're producing. They can do the hallelujahs and praise the Lord on a Sunday and lift their hands, but Monday through to Friday and Saturday. It's another message for another day. And Peter remembering and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, whoever speaks to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And we discovered last week that that have faith in God in the original um, scripts of Scripture is, is actually better interpreted in the Greek, not from having faith in God, but have God faith. Have God kind of faith. In other words, what he is saying here, Jesus is saying is that to each one has been given a measure of faith, the Bible says, and he says, I've given you part of me. I have put my faith. It's not your faith, because sometimes we have this kind of thought process, I just need more faith, but God says, no, no, you have all the faith that you need because I gave you part of my faith. It's God faith on the inside of you. And some of you are like, oh, I think that's going too far. But yet again, in Peter, it says that we are partakers of the divine nature of God. So either we partake of his divine nature or we don't. You can't turn around just because it boggles your mind a little bit or challenges your theology, turn around and go, well, I don't accept that because that just doesn't fit my thinking. And this is why sometimes the interpretations we get is because people are interpreting the Bible and they think, oh, that's a bit, I don't know if we can say that. And so they change it up a little bit instead of what it originally says. And so what he's saying here is that the faith that you have isn't your faith, it's God's faith. And that what we've got to do is we've got to activate it. We've got to start to use that kind of faith. It's God's kind of faith. And the mountain that he talks about here, he's not talking about a physical mountain. Yeah? Otherwise, on my way down to Wanganui to visit my parents, when I get to the paraparas, which is like this, going up and down mountains, I'll just say, paraparas, be removed, and I just have a nice straight road to drive on. He's not talking about a physical mountain. He's talking about anything that stands between you and the fulfillment of God's promises for your life. Any mountain that gets in the way of your life, you're meant to speak to. Mountains of fear, mountains of anxiety, mountains of insecurity, mountains of all sorts of things, mountains of trauma and, and things that have been done to you in your childhood which have gripped you, mountains of words that speak, people have spoken over your life by teachers or parents or whoever. He's talking about those things. He's saying that you've got to speak to those mountains and command them to be removed because he says this, 
Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. In other words, he's saying, we've got to get to that place. Remember that he has given us what it takes to overcome, to conquer and subdue. And so we've got to get to that place where we start speaking to these mountains and our lies, and we say to them, get out of my life and don't come back. That means that we have to get honest about what we're struggling with sometimes and get to the core of it. Because if you have an anger problem, anger is not your problem. Anger is the manifestation of a problem. And so what we do is we pray that God would not make us angry, but we never actually get to the root cause of why we're angry. Mountains, the other thing I want to say this morning is mountains don't move by crying. Now, I understand that mountains can upset you, but Jesus didn't say, cry to the mountain and it shall be removed. He didn't say, pray to me and I'll remove it. He said, speak to it. And what I've learned in my life is that I can spend so much time of my life crying about a mountain, whinging about a mountain, ranting or whatever about a mountain, letting everybody on my phone list know about what's going on with my mountain, but I never speak to it. And I can spend, I I won't lie to you, I spent years dealing with insecurities purely because I never spoke to them. I just talked about them to everybody that would listen. And even those that wouldn't. But they don't remove by crying, they move by speaking. It says, for assuredly, I say to you. In other words, I'm telling you, this is how it works. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. Remember, believing drives our speaking. He will have whatever he says. Why? Because it's driven by his believing. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, Believe that you receive them, and you will have them. To get whatever he says, I want to make it really clear for you right now, this is not a magical formula that you can just go around saying whatever it is that you want, and you get it. That is not what I am saying this morning. That is not what the Bible is saying. What the Bible specifically says is that what we believe and what we speak must line up with the Word of God. It's going to line up with what the Word says, not what your head says, or else you ain't going to get it. Because if the Bible says one thing and you say something else, which do you think is going to happen? Yes? Come on. It's got to line up with what His Word says. Remember, faith is believing and speaking what God says about us, and God says about our circumstances, not what we see or what others say about our circumstances. It has to line up with his word. For example, you can't drive down the road and start claiming that house to be your house if it doesn't have a for sale sign outside it, because the Bible says that's coveting your neighbor's stuff. Are you with me? I heard a pastor once mention this story that he had a guy come up to him in church, a young fellow one day, and said, Pastor, can you pray for me 
because that woman over there, I believe that God has told me she's going to be my wife one day, and I'd love it if you could pray with me that she will become my wife. The pastor's response to him was, does her husband know? Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? You can't just say whatever you want and get it. It has to line up with his word. It has to line up with what he says. This is not about getting what I want. This is about getting what he says that you need and you can have. God doesn't respond. You know, the funny thing is God doesn't even respond to needs or wants. He responds to faith. He responds to your believing and your speaking. So you can need as much as you want, but if you're not believing and speaking what his word says about your situation, the situation won't change. F.B. Meyer, who's probably one of the greatest Greek to English translators that, of the Bible that has ever probably walked the face of the planet, he said this about verse 24. He said, it should read more like this. It should read, whatever things you ask when you pray, go on believing that you have them and receive them and you shall have them. In other words, he's saying it's, it's not a once-off believe moment. It's, it's an ongoing believing and speaking. It's a, it's a non-stop believing and speaking. That's why the Bible says this, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. It's the more that I believe it and I speak it, the more faith starts to stimulate and move and starts to develop in my world. You can have one prayer time with God, but that ain't gonna shift some things in your world. You've got to continue believing and speaking. And what I've seen in my life personally, but also in other people's lives, there have been moments where I've prayed about something and then God didn't answer it instantaneously, so therefore God doesn't answer prayer. But that's not what the scripture teaches. It says if you ask without any doubt and you go on believing every day, not just for a week, not just for two weeks, but every day as you continue on believing, you will receive them and you shall have them. So even when it comes to our prayer time, and, and, I, and I have to check myself on this because I don't know about you, but sometimes my prayer time is a list of things that I need, yes? <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying. God, give me a good sleep tonight. Father, heal this person. God, let, let Seth and Madison do well, or Seth do well at school, Madison do well, what she's doing. Yeah, it's, it's a list, yeah? Help her, bless us financially, bless the church financially. Anybody that needs a job, give them a job. It's like, it's a, it's a list of wants. And not that I'm saying that is bad, but here's the thing. Have I gone out and looked at what the scripture says about that situation to make sure that I include that in my prayer life so that when I am praying, I am speaking and believing what he says about the situation. So I have unsafe kids. Father, I thank you that your word says that it's your will that my, me and my whole household shall be saved. If you're going through difficulties financially, Father, I thank you that you said that I'm blessed when I come in and I'm blessed when I go out, that you've given me the power to make wealth, that when I look after your house, you'll look after my house and you'll pour out such a blessing that there's not enough room to contain it. Father, I thank you that even going through a difficult time right now where people are saying all sorts of things about me that aren't true or unfair, Father, I thank you that your word says 
that every voice that rises up against me, you shall silence. And all of a sudden we start bringing the word of God into our prayer life. Nothing wrong with having things that we want God to do, but we need to make sure they align with what he says and what he believes over those circumstances. And as you believe the word of God to me and you start praying it back to God, you start declaring his word back to him. Why, why do we need to pray his words back to him? Is he forgetful? Is he senile? Why, why do we have to do this? Why do we need to do that in a form of prayer? Because in Jeremiah 1.12, Jesus said this to, God said this to Jeremiah. The Lord said to me, you have seen correctly, for I am watching over my word to see that it is fulfilled. And what I find when I start to declare what his word says about my situation, I know that his promises is that he watches over that to make sure it's fulfilled. It's like God hovers over that word. As I pray that word and the word goes out and the scripture goes out, God goes out with it and he's hovering over that thing, waiting for the appointed time for it to be fulfilled. He watches over his word, not over my words. Over his word. And so I need to bring that into my prayer life. It goes on and that scripture says, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, will have whatever he says. So, so what, what that says to me is before I get into my prayer time, before I get into that moment, I, I've got to make sure that I'm believing what I'm about to ask for. That I have got the word of God on the inside me, that I'm believing so that when I come before God in prayer, I'm believing it's going to come to pass. Because I know it's his word, and I know he watches over it, and I know that he makes sure that it's fulfilled. It says, whatever things we ask for, go on believing that you receive them and you shall receive them. See, this is, this is where I think, and I include myself in all this, this is where I think all of us trip up. All of us have this trip up moment because we have moments of prayer or moments of faith where we believe in our heart that it's going to come to pass, and then we trip up because it doesn't happen straight away. You see, the things in the kingdom of God don't generally come immediately. God doesn't generally answer your prayers inside 15 minutes of you praying it. He can do that, and sometimes he does do that, but what I've learned about the kingdom and what I've learned about God and what I've learned about faith is that I continue on praying, I continue on believing and speaking that over time, things start to shift, things start to change. It's like, it's like the Pantene ad, you know? Doesn't happen overnight, but it does happen. It's like the liquid that gets into the chalk. It's it's as we continue on believing and declaring and believing and speaking, as we continue that, sometimes it takes time for things to manifest in the natural realm when we start to declare it in that. Why? Because there's battles, there's war in the heavenly realms trying to stop those promises coming through to your life. And things may not change in the day that you pray and believe for it. Things may not happen. You may not have a wow moment 15 minutes afterwards. Things may not turn instantly for you, but they will begin to turn. 
if you would pray and believe that you receive and you come out of that moment of prayer where you've been before God and you continue on with your believing and speaking. You know, I, I, sometimes I, I forget a lot of this myself and it's like, I've already prayed for this, so I need to start thanking God for it. You know, I already believe that he can come through. I don't think I need to keep on reminding him. I just need to start praising him and thanking him. Thank you, God, that you're watching over that word. Thank you, God, that it's going to come to fulfillment. Thank you that I'm going to see that breakthrough in my life. Thank you that it's coming. It may not be here yet, but I know it's coming, and I'm going to keep on believing and speaking what you say. You see... When we start to declare, when we start to believe and speak, some of the problem is, is, is from the time that we start believing and speaking to the time of fulfillment is this thing called a time lapse. There's a space in between when you start to believe for God to come through for you and when it actually comes through for you. And this is where we trip up is in the space in between. But here's the thing, as we continue to believe and speak, as it says, and we continue to believe and speak, we start to get closer to it. As we continue to believe and we speak, we start to get closer to what it is that God wants to do. If we just have a moment here where we believe and we speak, and then we give up, and we don't continue on, then we stop here, and it seems so far away still. But as we continue believing and speaking, as we continue, we start to get closer and closer and closer and closer. And my experience in my life has not been a lot of wow moments, but it's been a lot of, I get here and I go, oh, I'm here. And then I look back and I see, oh, hindsight. so quiet today. You get into that time lapse, and this is when your head starts saying things to you like, this isn't going to happen. Nothing's changing. You need to give up, man. You need to quit. But you've got to keep going, and you've got to keep walking in faith, not by sight, not by what you see, but by your believing and your speaking, and you start walking and walking and walking, and that word, doubt, in verse 23, literally in the Greek, it means withdraw. It means withdraw. So I actually believe that a better way of writing the scripture would be this. Verse 23, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast in the sea, and does not withdraw in his heart but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he has. Does not withdraw. What does that mean? It means don't pull back your faith. Don't back off. Don't withdraw from what it is because you can't see anything changing. Don't withdraw, but keep on speaking to the mountain. Don't be intimidated by the mountain that hasn't moved yet. Some of them are stubborn, yeah? 
Some of you have had mountains in your world for a long, long time, and you've tried before, and you've heard messages like this before, and you go, man, I tried, and it has, some of them can be really stubborn. Some of them can be really intimidating. Some of them don't move that easily. But the thing is, is that what happens is when we quit, we start to withdraw. We start to pull back. We start to pull back from what it is that we're believing and speaking, and, and that's what doubt means. It means to withdraw, and we start to withdraw from him. We start to withdraw from what we're believing. I want to encourage you, you just keep on speaking to that mountain. You keep on believing and speaking. Don't withdraw. Don't pull back. You see, Jesus didn't see the fig tree die straight away. It was the next day that it happens. And we have to go on believing and speaking. And if you hear nothing else this morning, I want you to hear this. We have to continue to believe and speak because faith is not a fixed moment. It is a fluent lifestyle. Faith is always moving. It's not about the moment. It's about the whole entire life. It's not about the, the crisis now. It's about walking through that affluentness of our believing and our speaking. Faith is not a moment. It's affluentness. It's all about everything that we do. It doesn't stop. You have to force your face, your faith, not your face, but force your faith up against the mountain. We've got to push our faith against it. We've got to start pushing against it because you don't want to live with this thing for the rest of your life. You don't want to live with that anxiety. You don't want to live with that fear. You don't want to live with that depression. You don't want to live with those insecurities. You, you don't want to spend the rest of your life living that way. I don't know about you, but when my insecurities start to get a hold of me, it's not nice, it's not pleasant. I'm not enjoying my life when my insecurities are screaming at me on the inside, telling me that how inadequate I am, telling me how much of a bad job I'm doing, telling me how much of a failure I am. When those things start screaming, it's not nice, it's not pleasant. But here's the thing, if I don't start speaking to them, if I don't start pushing my faith against those mountains, I'm going to have to deal with that for the rest of my life. And I don't want to be 70 and still struggling with those things. I don't want to be a grandfather one day and still pushing against those things. I only have one life to live. And the Bible says that this life that we live on earth is fleeting. It's, it's but a moment. And I don't want mountains getting in the way and stopping me from having all that God wants me to have and from doing all the things that God wants me to do. And I don't want that for you either. God has great plans for you. He's got great things in store for you, but there's some mountains that will get in the way and you've got to push your faith against it. And not for a moment, but we keep on believing. We keep on speaking. We keep on pushing against it. We keep on going. We keep on moving. Why? Why do we have to keep pushing our faith against the mountain? Because what stops us is the fear of what we see. We start to see nothing happening. We start to see this isn't changing. Sometimes it feels like stuff gets worse before it gets better. And we, and we start to pull back and we start to withdraw and we start to fear because we can't see the change that is happening. But Timothy got told by Paul this in 1 Timothy 6.12, fight, fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of believing and speaking. Fight. You know, Christianity is not meant to be passive. I, I know we live in a world where it's like, we should just include everybody and be tolerant. Be kind. 
Not when it comes to the kingdom of God. Not when it comes to pushing against those mountains of insecurity. Not when it comes to pushing against demonic spirits and principalities and powers. It's not time to be kind. It's time to fight the good fight of your believing and your speaking. It's time to speak up and start declaring what the Word of God says about our circumstances. Sometimes in your walk, there are things that you're going to come up against and you have to fight them. Oh, I'm tired and I'm weary and I'm sick of fighting it. I get that. I understand that. But friend, mountains don't move by crying. They move by speaking. Things don't shift if we don't push. And he goes on and he says to Timothy as well, he says, this charge in 118. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you might, what? War a good warfare, holding faith. Holding means, in the Greek, continued possession. That you would war a good warfare, continually in possession of your faith, of your believing and your speaking Never letting go of what it is that you believe that God has said. The good warfare means be a good soldier. In the Greek, it means be a good soldier. He's basically saying to him, hey, Timothy, you're in a fight, you're in a war, whether you like it or not, and a good soldier has a continual possession of their faith, of their believing and their speaking, and they don't let go of it, and they continue to come against it. I'm telling you, you might be like, well, I'm not sure if I can do it. Well, here's the thing. It's not optional for you. It's not optional in your world to go, oh, do I want to fight or do I not want to fight? There is a devil and there are principalities and powers that aren't sitting back going, oh, they don't want to fight. So it's not like a schoolyard thing where it's like I'll see you around the back of the bike sheds after school and then you just don't turn up. And so the fight doesn't happen. No, 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 no. Like the guy who's waiting around the bike shed, the next day he's going to come looking for you in the playground because you didn't turn up. You, you don't get to opt out of fighting the good fight of faith. It's not optional. You have to do this. You have to push through. Why? For your sake and for your children's sake. You can do it because God said you can do it. Because he said you can do it in Hebrews 10, 23. It says, let us hold fast the confession of our believing and speaking without wavering. Hold fast. It's the same terminology they use in sailing when somebody goes overboard and you throw them a rope or you throw them a tire and you say, grab hold of the tire. That's what he's talking about. It's like, hold fast. I don't know about you, but if I fell into a roaring ocean and somebody threw me a tire, I would not let go. He said, hold fast. Don't let go to the confession of our faith, our believing and speaking without wavering. Don't withdraw. Don't pull back. Don't quit. Keep pushing against that mountain. Keep pushing against it. Keep going. Keep going. The word confession in the Greek means this. It's this confession of our faith. That word confession means to agree with what God is saying about you, to come into alignment with what He says, to say the, say the same thing about your life 
that God says about your life. Now, some of you here might be thinking as we finish this morning, well, I, I don't want to lie about my life. I don't want you to lie about your life either. I, I don't want you to make stuff up. I don't want you coming into church on Sunday and people go, how are you doing? I'm doing great. When really your world is falling apart. It's called Christianese. We want you to be honest. I don't want you to lie about your circumstances just so you can say all the right stuff. Here's the thing. If you start declaring what the Word says about you, you're not lying. Even if you're struggling to believe it, you're not lying because God is not a man that He would lie. And His Word goes forth and accomplishes everything that it sets out to do. And that's why it's so important to be declaring the Word of God over our circumstances and over our lives. Because even though you may feel like it's not happening, when you say what He says about you, you are not lying. You are not trying to make stuff up. You're not trying to be super positive. You're declaring that life-giving Word because the Word of God is alive and it's living and it's active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword that pierces between bone and marrow and heart and soul. And so when you're declaring it, even though you might be struggling to believe, you're not lying. You're just declaring what His Word says. And, in, and He said in Jeremiah that He watches over it to make sure it's fulfilled. And so I don't know about you, but when I'm struggling to believe sometimes that God can come through for me, what I've got to do is release what He's said about me into the circumstance. Because he'll watch over that. I come into agreement. I come into alignment. I say the same things that God says about me. And I come into alignment with his word. Because if my confession is not in line with the word, then my confession is not in line with Jesus. Because in John 1.1 1, 1 it says that Jesus is the word. So my confession has to line up with the Word so that I can line up with Him. Hebrews 10.35 says this, Do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Do you know the word confidence in the Greek means this? Do not lay aside your freedom your boldness in your speaking. Do not lay aside the freedom of the boldness of your speaking, of your believing and speaking, because it has a great reward. Do not, therefore, cast aside your believing and your speaking, because it has great reward, has great reward. And friend, if you are speaking, then you are believing. And as I was thinking about today, and as I was praying about it this morning, the thing that just keeps coming back to me is this, is that some of us, some of you, have some mountains that maybe you've spoken to before, but maybe you have drawn. Maybe you pulled back because it didn't quite happen the way that you thought it would. Maybe you've pulled back a bit, or maybe... Maybe you've never even attempted to take on that mountain because you just don't think that it can happen. I want to encourage you this morning. If you would get into a line with His Word and you start declaring that, God watches over it. God doesn't ignore it. Why? Because it's not just words, it's Him. It's Jesus. Every verse has His voice. It's not words on paper. 
It's Jesus. Jesus is the Word. Come on. It's alive. It's living. It's active. And when you start to speak it against that mountain, it starts to activate. It starts to happen. Some of you, you've got to get some words out of your mouth. You've been crying about your mountains, and now it's time to start speaking to them. You've been, you've been doing all sorts of things. And I'm not saying that getting counseling or any of that is bad. I've had counseling. I recommend it highly. But here's the thing. If the counselor isn't getting you to line up with his word and start declaring that over your life, friend, that mountain's never going to shift. That's why if you're not seeing a Christian counselor, you should see one because they're going to get you to line up with what he says. Fancy psychology won't shift mountains. The Word of God will. The believing and the speaking. Believing and the speaking.